0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. In this podcast, Fred Zinke and I, I am Jeff Erickson, by the way, Fred Zinke and I will be talking about Fred's long-awaited take on ADP. And we'll look at all the top free agents in, uh, that are still out there. What you know, where they might go. What are we doing with them? Are we doing anything with them as a general pool uh, in terms of changing their projection and all that? Plus, maybe a little talk about Dnsb Swanson. Stay tuned. Hey Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. As always, we are brought to you by WinBet, our exclusive gaming sponsor for the Rotowire series of podcasts. Uh, we really thank them for their sponsorship. We thank you for joining us, and I thank you, Fred Zinke, for joining me here on the podcast. How are you
2: today? I'm great. I, I've been looking forward all day to to talking some baseball. I don't get conversations like this in my regular life, so I've been looking forward to this all day.
1: No, I, I bet you don't do that uh, at yeah. your school. I'll do, do your. Yeah. Do your students, your, your teacher, your yeah. PE teacher, right? Yeah. Uh, do your students know what you do like, do, do on the side? Yeah. Do, do you know not anything much. about your life?
2: Uh, a few do, but lar- largely no. It's not something that I really broadcast or talk about much at work, so at that job. So I just kind of mind my own business and do my own thing. And as far as that goes, teenagers are pretty self-involved in general and <laughs> more interested in what they're doing and what each other are doing and what their teacher's doing. So I don't really sure. say much about it. I do have some students who know about it. Um, more I have students who are really into fantasy football and sure. know that I work in fantasy in general and like to talk about fantasy football. So it is interesting to listen to. I, I have had Situations where I listen to students talk about fantasy sports like and trash talk each other, and I do enjoy listening to them and hearing what they think at, at such a young age because that's the future of the game right that's the future mm-hmm. of the exactly of real baseball and it's the future of fantasy baseball
1: I've been lucky that there's one high school that I know a dad whose son was running the sports enthusiast club at the school okay. and they've had me speak uh once a year up the last two years and the second last year or this this past fall it was in person yeah it's all about their football league that they have together but it's yeah. like a bunch of player uh, high school baseball player b- baseball and basketball players that go to this club and all that and they're very interested it's really cool so from that standpoint think, what, it's cool
2: yeah when i hear about the teenagers who have their leagues together with their friends I do feel good inside when I hear about that, because that is like, like that's how a lot of us started. Like that was that, you know, that was me in the 1980s doing hockey pools with my friends and like getting it. That's how a lot of us get into fantasy sports in the beginning. So when I see them doing that, you know, I, like, I, like, I feel good. I feel like that next generation is, is getting hooked on that fun of having a home league. And then, you know, a few of them might get really serious into it and most of them won't, but if, if they have that fun of having, having a home league in some sports, I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I just hope the owners lockout here doesn't, you know, squash that enthusiasm for baseball with this current generation. It just uh-huh. it really scares me. News today wasn't great. Uh, they, you know, there was a oh. report from Evan Drellich. Uh, Drellich. Drellich. I'm, I'm terrible with the names, but uh, I've never heard him speak, so I, I always I, I should probably dig into that and get it right next time. But anyhow, he's a fantastic uh, co- uh, baseball writer. Covers uh, baseball for the Athletic. He was reporting that uh rob manfred is going to meet with the owners in florida at, they're having their owners meeting in orlando and disney uh and then he's going to speak with the media on thursday there is no there are no plans for the players and owners to meet next so he's going to speak with the media probably issue this big bromide and you know we're going to have no progress towards a solution for a crisis initiated by the owners i'm going to keep throwing that one out there i'm i'm super angry about this
2: no it's true and i think the players are wise to remind us right that they. They could continue use right, right, working off the old agreement for now, and they could open spring training on on time if mm-hmm. the owners were willing to do that. So, you know, the the concept. I get it that there is like a a problem here that involves both sides, but they they could open spring training on time and continue negotiating and and work off of the old deal for now. And the owners are un, are unwilling to do that in a sport that's worth a lot, a lot of money. So very frustrating. Hopefully, they sort this out. And the start of the season isn't too delayed if it's delayed at all, but very frustrating right now.
1: Right. Uh, that's right. Uh, and, and I am super but you know what? I got to proceed as if we're going to have a season and it's not going to be too truncated. I'm just going to keep on acting like that because what else can I do? You know, especially yeah. in my position is uh, you know, my industry depends upon it. We're going to still have talent wars, although we're not going to have it in person for once again, we're going to do it online. Uh, but for otherwise, we're just going to keep plugging away as best we can. Uh, let's, jump right in some meatier content instead of focusing too much on the lockout. Let's discuss uh, a couple things. One, I did the, the ADP centric podcast with uh, Scott Jensad on Sunday night. You wanted to weigh in on like how you use ABT ADP, like uh, just, and, and like I, just your general take on ADP. Why don't you go?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, listening to you and Scott Monday morning, I was listening to you and Scott Monday morning and I thought, so what I found several years ago and i think i still feel this way today adp is my reality check on on players yes so you know i we've talked before about how so i make my own projections i start that process this year i started in november usually i start in december this year i started in november and probably have my player pool for mixed leagues done by by new year's day maybe a little maybe even by christmas and um And then from there, it's just refining. It's going back over certain players. What did I miss on certain players? Why is this guy so high? Why is this guy so low? What the ADP is really my reality check. So once I'm done my rankings, I take my rankings. I take that early NFBC ADP. I put those two numbers beside each other. And I look at who are these outliers. So who are these players who I have way higher than the, especially I look at who do I have way higher than the ADP? Because those are the guys I'm going to draft. Like if we started a draft right. on New Year's right, Day, right, those are right. the guys I would draft for sure. So I make a list of those players. There might be 50 of them. And then I go back and go through those players with the fine-tooth comb one at a time. because and I, and I don't move them all down. But some of them I go back and I look through and I think, oh, why am I so high on this person compared to the market? And I look through and then sometimes I realize I've missed something. Maybe I missed an injury. Maybe I, you know, may, maybe I over valued a certain aspect of their profile and didn't notice the blemishes. Who knows? Um, sometimes I I, I I move them down. Like I, I downgrade their projections a bit. Maybe I've, I've given them too much playing time. And then some players, I I decide, no, like I'm firm on this guy. I like where I have him. That's going to be someone who I'm going to roster, I bet, in many leagues this year, unless the ADP moves, because I'm not moving on him. And I do the same thing. Mostly, I, as I said, I target the players who i'm high on i do target the players who i'm really low on a little bit just to kind of look and be like okay why do i have this person 100 spots after their adp sure those those players like if i have them that low it's probably because like i just don't feel i don't believe in them i don't feel good about that player whether it's injury related playing time related skill related even if i move them up a bit I probably don't get them up to the point where I ever draft them. Like I might get them up to the point where like I have them a little more competitive against their, their ADP. But for me, that ADP is a reality check. I don't, I try not to just conform to the ADP and just let ADP pick my team for me. And there are players who I've picked on a whole bunch of my NFBC 50s, for example. Um, But I, but I do use it as my reality check. If I'm, if I'm way high on someone like, like they need, Like another 10 or 15 minutes under the microscope, that player. And let's see, you know, again, do I believe in myself and want to draft them on a lot of teams? Or, you know, have I I made a mistake there? And did ADP kind of open my eyes to it? So that's what I think it's great for. It's obviously great for educating on how the market moves once we come out of this lockout and there's more news flying and players are moving up and down. Like we have a stagnant ADP market right now. Um, right because of the lockout but but so it's definitely good for that also just noticing the risers and fallers that tells you who you should probably be adjusting in your own projections
1: yeah uh i think that's right uh follow-up question for you so you see you get your you generate this list and you want to investigate each player one by one what is the first thing you do when you dig into that player like what where are you going what are you looking for? What's the first thing you look at? Well, say, say it's a hitter. Let, let's, 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 I guess we kind of have to probably do the caveat of whether, what type of player it is, but say it, give me an example of a guy that you've done that with so far.
2: Hmm, That's a great question. Someone who I've done this with so far, I just opened up, uh, I'll give you a great example. I'll give you a great example. So, um, When I first did my rankings, I had Whit Merrifield quite high in relation to his ADP. Okay, so... So first things I would think about: uh, Do I have his playing time too high? Like the, his his projected at bat total. So uh, Witt is someone who, um, as I pull him up from last year, played he actually mm-hmm. a lot lately. Has played in a tremendous amount of games. So last year all one sixty two, the previous mm-hmm. year all all sixty, and the previous year all one sixty two, and the year before that one fifty eight. Like that's remarkable that he's played in that many games. He's missed. Right four games over four seasons. If we count that shortened season as a season, he's missed four games over four seasons. That's, that's remarkable. Okay. So he's durable, but is anyone truly that durable? Like, is that really sustainable? Right. right, right. So I see those at bat totals, 632, 681, 664. So I'm going to go look at mine and I'm going to think, did I give him like a 650? And is that really something that I think that uh, an over 30, year old Whit field can do again. So maybe I, maybe I take that down a bit and then maybe in the process, I also look a little, okay, well if I'm taking that down a bit, let's take these runs. What is the average in those three years? Kind of the full seasons, at least in the runs. Okay. That's more like 95, 96, you know, did I have them around there for run score? Do I need to pull that back a bit? Because if I'm going to budget in just maybe like a dozen missed games, like most players, you know, do I have to bring the runs back of it? Do I have to bring the RBIs back of it? Do I need to knock off a homer, a couple steals, that kind of thing? So I might think about that. I might look at where his steals kind of came from, how they were dispersed across the season or previous seasons. Uh, what was the success rate? Like, like was the steals total I gave him? Like, was it really accurate? And again, on, on, maybe on wit I decided, no, I like it. I like where I have them. I like. I think I think all this stuff makes sense. I think the market's not pricing these steals in properly. We're all chasing steals. Right. It's worth a ton because he's one of the few guys who can get you 30 plus of them. And I'm going to leave him where he is and I'm going to draft him on a lot of teams. Or maybe I looked through him and thought, eh, I pumped the brakes on him a little bit. I got him ahead of some guys who I just gotta think i would draft ahead of him so right. i you know i'm gonna reduce him a bit so that's to be a good example of, of a of a high-end player for some of the mid-range guys and that's like, and
1: just so to catch people up uh that's what merrifield in case you just jumped if you kind of yeah that, that's what we're talking about what if i told you i've got a, him projected for 160 games and 657 at bats maybe i I'm like you
2: can do that you yeah. can do that if you do that you're probably gonna draft him in the second round or you should be. If you have him for that, you should be I've got him right
1: start. around the turn is where I have him ranked right now. The but, one, two, uh, turn two, or three, two, three, turn?
2: two, three turn. Two
1: three turn. Two three turn. I've got him around pick thirty, which is around his ADP.
2: Uh yes. Geez, if I put him up to six hundred and fifty at bats and pump those runs and RBIs up, I think for me he would start coming in around the early second round. I think how I many would, bags
1: do you have for Whitmerfield?
2: Thirty two right now.
1: I've got him at 31, so I mean, we're, so, not, we're not off. And I've but. got a dozen
2: homers. So I, I do feel like there's a little more power potential than what he showed last year. Last year, he only hit 10 and he played the whole season, but the year before he hit nine in 60 games, and the year mm-hmm. before he hit 16. So I do think there's the potential for him to beat that 10 a little bit. Um, so these are all the things you weigh, right? Because you right. know from doing – because you and I do our rankings, our projections similarly with the SGPs, it doesn't take much to move them. Thanks. Like. Absolutely. All of a sudden you give wit like one more Homer and like three more RBIs and like three more runs and one more steal, And all of a sudden he jumps over like seven players and that takes him from you having him on the two, three turn to him being someone who you're probably going to draft in the second round. If you have a pick in the first half of the draft, the first Correct. half of the first round. Correct. So it's that big of a difference. Or again, I could get a little negative on wit and I could say, nah like he's on the wrong side of 30 do i want to invest in a base do i want to tie up like 30 expected steals out of you know what i'm aiming for 100 120 whatever Do i want to tie up 30 of them in a guy on the wrong side of 30 who's not a high ops guy like not a true superstar uh i feel a little negative i'm going to downgrade those steals by 3 or 4 all if i did that and I just got negative. I said, you know, I'm going, down, I'm going down 27 steals. I just don't feel good. I don't, I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe he can keep this up into his 30s. I had to drop him. Go to 27 steals. All of a sudden, he's someone I'll never draft. Like he falls right back to like the end of round three for me. And
1: isn't it funny how quickly that can change? Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say if I put him down to, you know, because your 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 take on playing time is well, t- your point on t- playing time is well taken. You know, uh-huh. you it's hard to project anybody to get a full 160, 162 games. The counter argument is, who else would you do it? Then the guy that's done it four years in a row. I mean, that's the counterpoint. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, if you don't give Whit Merrifield 160 games, who are you giving 160 no one. games to? The, my
2: answer to that would be probably no one. You just right? You just budget in seven missed games, say like, you, or a plus for everyone. Like you don't you don't budget anyone to play more than 155. Right.
1: Or and so. the, the 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 tricky part there too is they're adding Bobby Witt this year at some point. Preferably at the start of this season. You know, uh, Lopez has earned himself playing time. I don't know if he's a full time starter. They're getting Mondesi back. They might be getting uh, like Nick Prado at first base to, in addition to Carlos Santana, although maybe they'll just say goodbye to Carlos Santana. I don't know. Uh, we'll see about that. But point is, it might be getting a little bit more crowded. Maybe they give Wit a day here and there.
2: Yeah, all it—that's ta- right. All it, or all it takes is one manager comment to say, "Hey, Whit Maryfield's thirty-three now. We got to give him a day once in a while." That's yeah. it. If his manager just decides he's thirty-three now, let's give him a day once in a while. Um, I, I never—you'll remember this—and um, I remember this really well because uh, it was when I was working for MLB.com and Matt Kemp at one point had a great streak of games played. So I just pulled it up. So he had 155, which is good. But then the next year at 159 and the next year at 162 and the next year at 161, again, like Merrifield, that's about as good as you're going to get like over a three year right. stretch there. He missed four games over three years. And I remember going into the next year thinking Matt Kemp is going to play like all the games. And he was younger. That right. the time that Maryfield was, he was still in his twenties, and I was like, "Okay, Matt Kemp's going to play all the games next year. Like he's as rock solid as you can expect for playing time." That next year, he played 106. The year after that, he played 73, 150. Then he got back to 150 the next year, 154 the next year, then 156 the year after that. So he got back, but there were two years in there where, um, you know, everyone everyone can get hurt. Matt Kemp yeah, the- at that point could get hurt. And and then we kind of had fat Matt Kemp after that and a different kind of player. But and when he was playing all those games, he was stealing like 35 and 40 bases. So this guy yeah. was young and athletic and super talented. And yeah, dating
1: Rihanna. And yeah,
2: yes, yeah, yeah, anyone can get hurt.
1: Yeah. 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 You're, you're durable until you're not. Yeah. And you're fragile until you're not. You know, the, the, and you know, some people, st- some players remain fragile, but a lot of times they're unlucky too. And you know, it's like, yeah, Jeff Bagwell had that label and then he like changed and put like a glove on his hand. So every time he get hit on the hand, he wouldn't break a thumb. Uh, yeah. And the next thing you know, he had a Hall of Fame career. So it's the, the,
2: the other guy, the other guy you'll remember really well. This is Hunter Pence. He was yeah. amazing, amazing at playing in at basically every game. Right. in a season. Like I, I'm just looking at him right now. Like he had a string of year after year after year where he played like 154 or more and he had some 162s. And then all of a sudden at age, his age 32 season. So right around where Maryfield is, he had a 52. And after that, he never had another one that he had 106. Like he never had another one that was close to uh playing in every game. Like it just, it hit he, at one point he finally got hurt. And after that, he was never, the same as far as durability goes. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Merrifield, but it's something I have to be aware of with him. So sure. anyways, that's just an example of someone who, you know, who was really, uh, Sal Perez was another one. We're going sick with the Royals, right? Like he's yeah. a really, he was a really tough rank coming off like a season where it was so incredible for a catcher and so much playing time for a catcher. And when I first spit him out of my projections, he was really high. And I had to go back and think, like, is this really sustainable? Like, right. I'm talking about a primary catcher who played 161 games last year and had 48 home runs. Like, like, that's insane. So so going back and trying to figure out. So ADP can kind of guide me to that. Like, hey, Fred, mm-hmm. if you don't re relook at your rankings, you're going to draft Salvador Perez in every league. Okay, do I want to do that? And maybe I do. But I want to definitely look at him again before I decide that. Yeah.
1: I like and you get to talk to yourself in the third person too. So hey Fred.
2: Well, this is me inside my own head. When I'm in my own head, you're right. Then I have to yeah, when I'm in my own head, I I got a third person myself sometimes. Helps my confidence.
1: Do you answer yourself in the third person when you start talking to yourself (laughs) in the third person? That's the question. Uh, I don't
2: want to. I, I don't want to get everyone listening to think I'm insane. So I'm going to say no. I don't now I, I don't think I talk to myself in third person. I don't think I have these conversations back and forth in my own head although I pro- I probably do actually.
1: I probably have it too as well at times.
2: (laughs) I think we all do when you're going back and forth on these dilemmas, which is why slow drafts are so awesome and why early ADP is so awesome. So to really reflect on these guys. So also for some other guys, where Merrifield and Perez are really high end guys for other guys. Like you've got to really look at their spot on their team and how much do you have the playing time? Right. Do you have the Mm -hmm. line based on the role and the lineup and everything like that? So, um, yeah, and again, seeing if, did I miss something? Did I miss an outlier BABIP? Did I miss an outlier home run to fly ball rate or something like that that caused right. me to rank this person really high?
1: Yeah, that, I think that these are all things yeah. you need to address. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we start hitting the uh, Major League free agent pool, uh, we got to share a quick sponsor note, our friends at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet. The premier digital casino and sports book app, WinBet, is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface. Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over/unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in eight states Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana. Welcome, Louisiana. Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. We are going to go today. We're going to go through available free agents, talk about uh, how we value them for fantasy, whether we should, you know, bump them down a smidge or not because they're unsigned. Maybe there will be a compressed spring training. Maybe they won't, you know, they won't get as much uh, time to ramp up to speed, especially if they don't sign right away. Uh, you know, that, that's one of those things I'm not quite sure about. So let's let's tackle that, Fred. Let's let's talk about the general issue first before we start hitting these players. Are you going to discount some of these guys that are that remain unsigned?
2: I think no. I, I think the high end guys, especially, and and the guys who are at an age where they're definitely not going to retire. I think no. I feel like they'll sign pretty quickly when the lockout ends. I'm assume, I'm just going to assume that they they're keeping themselves in shape and that they'll be as ready to go as anyone else. So, like I picture, just for example, like Trevor Story. I'm assuming Trevor Story's working out like every other player. And, Mm -hmm. and, and within a week of the lockout ending, he'll have a new team the week to 10 days and, you know, he'll be in it in their camp and he'll be fine. Maybe with a pitcher, it would be something to think. I was just going to suggest the
1: pitchers. feel For sure. Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, I, although I know they can throw, like they don't need to be at a spring training facility to throw. So, but maybe with the pitchers, like we saw say for example, like Jake Odorizzi signed late last year. And I felt, I, I felt like that impacted him all year. Yeah. He, I too. felt like he was never totally himself last year. And maybe I'm giving it too much, too much weight that late signing, but I felt like I'm not giving him a mulligan on last year, but I I, I factored it in, for example, when I was projecting him that he signed late and that was just an yeah. odd start to the year for him. So the pitchers may be a little more.
1: I'd agree with that. Uh, starting pitchers, at least closers. Yeah. I got to yes. think that, you know, assuming they get the job wherever they sign, then that should be fine. You know, the, the problem with closers is we just don't know where they're going to be. And that obviously has a big impact on whether they're going to get the job. We'll hit that when we get, we cover some of the pitchers. Let's go through the hitters first. I think the, the preeminent free agent still out there is Freddie Freeman. Uh, I, I think he might end up back with the Braves. That'd be my best guess if I were uh, estimating, but the fact that he hasn't yet is somewhat uh, disturbing. I mean, it takes two sides to tango. It has to be that the, uh, the Braves have to offer him the right deal. It's a corporate-owned franchise. They just came off a World Series, so they, they've they got cover if it doesn't work out. But, man, what a PR hit if they don't sign him.
2: Yeah, I do think they – like you said, I do think they have the cover. Um, I think he'll end up back with the Braves. We've heard the Dodgers. We've heard the Yankees. I've made, I Personally, I've maybe heard the Yankees a little louder than the Dodgers or anyone else with him as far as alternatives. Um, I don't think he moves much no matter where he signs, like he's going, if he's not on the Braves, he's going to be on a good team. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, like he's not jumping to me. He's not jumping in the first round, no matter where he signs, because his profile isn't going to really change. Like he's not a 40 Homer guy, but he's a high average 30 Homer guy who can get also chip you in some steals. I think he's great. Um, if you want to take him in the second round, I think that's fine. Uh, I haven't yet, but I, but I, I haven't valued there. So, uh, I don't think he changes much for me, no matter where he signs.
1: I actually tweaked his value down. I didn't include him in this article that I just okay. posted about some of the uh, changes, but I actually dialed him down just a smidge. The 38 homers in 2019, the happy fun ball year, were doing, was, they were doing a little too much work. Same with the 121 RBI. Uh, I, and, and also, obviously, the 53 and 60 games last year, or in 2020, excuse me. Uh, I dialed him down just a little bit to 31 homers to 98 RBI. Uh, I just... Because he... Otherwise previously my values were spitting him up at like six or seventh overall spitting up is probably not yes. the way of phrasing yeah. it there, but uh, I don't want to take him there. And I, 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 you know, you go through one draft, you're like, Oh, that's, I'm getting five stolen bases, maybe eight, like he got last year. Yeah. You know, same thing with Vlad jr. We talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, I did one build with Vlad jr. In the first round and I felt like I was chasing speed the rest of the draft. So, uh, Cause it's not only that yeah, you, know, you know, do you have to do you have to address stolen bases maybe in the second round, that means you're passing up on an ace. Or or maybe you get that yep. ace and then you're really trying to chase on stolen bases. So I don't like that start. But if I use my second hitter, I kind of feel a little bit better about it.
2: Yeah, I mean with Yeah, I I have no Freeman so far And it's for that exact reason So mm-hmm. I just, if I started with a base stealer Then if I take Freeman Then I have no pitchers out of the first two rounds Am I comfortable doing that? Like, uh, I don't love it And like, I do it, but I don't love it And if I If I started with a pitcher And then take Freeman, now I don't even have 10 steals Really, coming out of the first two rounds And again, like, do I have a plan for that? Well, the Maryfield's Cedric Mullins, the Starling Marte, they might be gone by the time it gets back to me. And then I'm going to be chasing steals. Again, unless I have a plan to get a bunch late somehow. But um, right. yeah, I don't love it. Also, first base is deep. And I, I, I at various points in the draft, I find there's picks that I like at first base. So I don't feel like I have to chase that position, certainly. Again, I have Freeman valued as a second round pick. And I don't think it'll move wherever he signs. And I wouldn't argue with anyone who wants to take him. I just haven't yet.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm zero for four so far. Uh, I don't count XFL because that's an auction and it's a keeper league, so it doesn't. It, it's different. Actually, I'm zero for five. He's already gone in the Speakers League. I'm doing the first pitch Arizona Speakers League. Yeah. We're in the late second round. I went. I went pocket eight. Uh I started off uh, two starting pitchers there. So clearly, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know I, I, it, it's, I thought there was some value there, uh, and I, I don't mind the build with two starting pitchers too. Whereas I do mind the build. Without having stolen base yeah. or an ace, and, you know, just what you were yelling last week. Where's your Where's your ace coming from? Where's your um, ace? Yeah,
2: yeah. With Freeman, actually, I think you stumbled on the part where I place where I would take him, which is in an auction. In an auction mm-hmm. where I can build my team however I want. Right. If I feel like the value is good on Freeman, if if the bidding stops at a price that I feel like he's worth, like he is one of the more consistent, you know, stable values in fantasy baseball, so I'd be fine with taking him in that. And I'll just have to make maybe I go a little more stars and scrubs than I wanted or whatever to make sure I get my steals guys as well. But I, I would do it in that. It's the draft that really locks you in. Right. And that's tough.
1: Right. Uh, I, I, absolutely. hundred percent agree about that. So yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, the thing is, you know, one thing I feel like him, I mean, the trade-off is you've got power counting stats along with a locked in high batting average. That's hard to find, obviously. Right. I mean, let's, let's not forget what he does bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'd be more willing, to, uh, perversely, to get them in a 12 than a 15. Uh, even though I'll, I need a higher target stolen basis, I think they're easier to find. Same with saves. Same, you know, I can find aces better too, perhaps. So in the RotoWire Online Championship, I might be more inclined to take them than I would be, say, in the Draft Champions or the Main Event. Uh, now, if he slips, and players slip all the time. Maybe I'll 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 still take them there, and I'll take the I'll value take, and I'll figure it out later. But you just you have to know what you're giving up when you go that way. And you know you don't. As Phil Dussault always likes to talk about, doesn't want he wants to preserve optionality. You don't want to be forced, you know, Mm -hmm. painted into a corner to have to take something later in the draft and see value go by.
2: Yes, I I I I actually have the same feeling about the twelves. I've seen him fall to sometimes maybe late in the second round in a twelve, and maybe you can kind of wrap him and then a starting pitcher in the early third or if you already took a picture you know maybe you can wrap him and one of those base stealers like we already talked about in the in the early to mid third in a 12 it's just in the 15s like if you're taking him in the early to mid second round in a 15 like that's a long wait to either get your steals or your ace and you just you're crossing your fingers absolutely yeah trevor
1: story kind of a disappointing year last year Uh, Well, not kind of. It was a disappointing year last year. Hit 250, had 24 homers after going 37-35 the two previous full seasons. Did still run 20 stolen bases, only 75 RBI. You know, he was clearly – I mean, there's a lot of exciting circumstances here. Everything blew up with the Nolan Arenado trade in in the spring. You know, he turned down a contract extension offer. Uh, They didn't trade him at the trade deadline, much to his chagrin. He got hurt by Coors field changing their fences a little bit he lost i think something like seven or eight homers compared to other your basic normal park looking at overlays although someone made a good point on that when i tweeted about that it is like was the exit velocity would the exit velocity have been the same elsewhere maybe he didn't really necessarily lose that but still chances are he probably did and you know he was he was clearly unlucky period in terms of again home runs now he's a free agent very little chance that he's going to re-sign with the Rockies. Where are you on Trevor's story?
2: Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I, I'm not giving him a full mulligan for last year, but he was kind of also, he was kind of banged up and the trade deadline thing was an issue. And, um, he's going to leave. He's going to get a fresh start with the contract that he's going to command. It's probably going to be on at least an average team, if not a better than average team. Like, like I can't see Mm -hmm. the likes of the pirates jumping in on Trevor's story. So, and, you know, I think he'll st- he'll continue to steal bases which is great um I'm usually the let's I'm usually the guy who says let's just jump off these Coors field hitters as soon as they least leave Coors field um over the years like I've kind of done that with all of them with story I don't totally feel that way because the Rockies lineup has been getting worse like I don't really right. want him to go back to Colorado he would still be playable on the road because he's such a good player and he steals bases but their lineup like they're gonna be awful. Yeah, Unless they, they sign are. guys, they're going to be awful on the road this year. Like, I, I feel fairly confident projecting that they will be the worst team in baseball on the road as far as hitting goes like the, the lowest road OPS in baseball this year bottom um,
1: three at least you know absolutely you know, that pirates terrible. are like wait like eating glue over in the corner and raising their hand and well and...
2: they're just they're t- the Rockies are typically even when they have a good lineup they're usually not great on the road and there is those effects of coming in and on mm-hmm. a course field right. um I That's think they're true. gonna be a, I think they're gonna be abysmal on the road and it's gonna be hard to use any other players on the road who aren't true star players because right. just the when their team's scoring two runs, you don't really want any part of it. Again, unless it's a base stealer and you'd be happy with, with a steal, even if he, you know, in a run scored or something. But uh, I think story I'm in, I'm interested. I don't, again, I don't have a lot of shares, but I'm right around where he's going. I haven't valued there. And I have a hunch that when he finds a home, like, I don't think I'll be moving him down.
1: I agree. Uh, You look at Babip as one indicator throughout Mm -hmm. his career. He's been, no lower than 330 as high as 360 except for last year when it was 293 yeah you know and you know every player has their own level but it's not like he he became slow all of a sudden not not true at all no. No. line drives went way down however now i don't know if that and and so did fly balls he hit a ton more grounders last year 37% ground ball rate that bothers me a little bit uh You know, you can't hit ground balls out of the ballpark last I checked. I mean, Eric Hosmer has been trying for years and it hasn't worked out. So um, I think that's something that, you know, is that a real thing? Is he maybe getting pit? Was he maybe getting pitched differently, Fred, because there's nobody else in that lineup. They felt like that could hurt him. I mean, hurt hurt them. I mean, that might be another case where I was like, go ahead. We're going to pitch around you. If he goes to another lineup with real hitters around him, maybe goes back to getting pitched differently.
2: Yeah. It's totally possible. He also had the, I I think the elbow injury was a big deal in late May and early June. And, you know, like, I think it was bothering him before he went on the IL and I I think it could have still been bothering him after. Like you see him come back from that and he hits 188 in July while he's waiting to get traded and maybe still dealing with that injury. Um You know, and he was actually a little, his, his better months, his best months, the two 900 OPS months were August and September. So the trade deadline passed. And then as far as from a hitting perspective, you know, after that, he settled in and actually hit really well in the last two months. Now he stopped stealing bases again. Maybe he decided from the elbow injury, maybe he decided because he was a pending free agent, like that he just didn't want to, to risk injuring himself on the base pads, maybe because the Rockies suck. And he was like, what's the point? Like we're we're going to, we're not making the playoffs anyways, but he had 14 steals at the end of June, even with the IL stand. He had 14 steals at the end of June, and only had six the rest of the way. I don't think he suddenly got slow. I think he chose to not run, which makes me feel like the 20 steals he got last year, which is actually a little below what he, his, his pace for 2020. It is below his pace for 2020 by a significant amount and below what he did the previous two years. I think there's room for him to steal more than the 20 bases he stole last year. Yeah, that'll be up to his new team.
1: Sure. Sure. If he signs with the Astros, as well, Yeah. Which he actually, that's actually a team where he could sign. It's possible. Um, yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, we, we tend to think the Astros don't run, but you know, Kyle Tucker ran. Dusty Baker has nothing against running. Clearly the opposite is true. If you remember the old clogging the bases, uh, line that he had back in the past. So Mm -hmm. that might not be a bad fit. Uh, ballpark wouldn't be great, but other, everything else would probably work out pretty nicely for him there.
2: Yep, I, I think that would be a good fit, and that's the kind of thing I, th- I see happening with Story. We'll see what whether he gets into a good ballpark or not, but I think he'll be on a team that can score runs. And again, that might lead to him producing more runs and RBIs than he would have had he st- stayed there, or than he did last year. A lot more than he did last year during that down year. Like, like he mm-hmm. has the s- skills, I think, to on a, in a good lineup to be say around 180 at least runs plus RBIs, like a 90 90. In fact, also with what he's going to get paid, I'm assuming wherever he goes, he hits second, third, fourth, that kind of thing. So I think I'm pretty confident, again, projecting that he could get be a 90-90 guy and maybe could be better than that.
1: Nick Castellanos, career year with the Reds, uh, turned down his player option, declined the uh, Reds qualifying offer. Unsigned, I think I saw him maybe linked with the Marlins at one point prior to the lockout. That obviously hasn't happened yet. Uh, he this is to me, he, he screams out career year. I don't know how you feel about him. I like him, uh-huh. but I he doesn't run, he might end up in a worse ballpark, almost certainly will end up in a worse ballpark. He's gonna get paid and he's gonna be like in probably. Uh, I, I just think this was like his peak. How do you feel about Nick Castellanos?
2: Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy because his first year with the Reds, he really kind of upped his power game, right? He hit the fourteen yeah. homers in the sixty games, so that's like a mid thirties home run pace. And then this past year, he did it like he got right. thirty four homers, even with just one hundred and thirty eight games. Right. to To get the twenty twenty homers, he seemed to get really aggressive because his strikeout rate like jumped big time. Right. and was the worst of his career but then last year he got strikeout rate right back in line it was actually a little better than his career average but it was similar to his career average mm-hmm. so he kept the power but he got strikeout rate right back so that's so that's to me is really interesting i don't think he's a 309 hitter um i, I do either. think he'll miss that park a bit but um and i don't know like he, he, he could join a great team but i don't think he'll get quite the contract that like story is going to get so maybe he could join a team that's not is awesome i don't know I, I i like him i don't think he'll reproduce totally last season but again could he be a 90 90 guy who hits 30 home runs and hits well his career average is 278 could he be a little even 285 yeah i've
1: got him at 287 right now i feel like okay. i need to downgrade him a little bit um just just talking it through right now yeah i feel like i, I i'm a little too generous with his projection uh, he only played 138 games last year, too. Quietly. I know. So um,
2: he could get right into the middle. Like, a yeah, high-average, good power guy. Like He could get right in the middle of a really good lineup. He's a guy who, if, if he signed at the right team, like a really good yeah. fit for him, like a good park and a good lineup, like I could, could push him even higher. And, and he's another guy. I don't know. We've hit a lot, a lot of these guys today where, I, like, I don't have shares, but I do like him. And I do have him ranked, like, right around where he's going. He's often right near the top of my queue. I just either end up with a pitcher that round or I grabbed someone else, but he, he doesn't steal bases. So I'm looking for steals or something, but he's there. Like I think where he's going is totally appropriate. And I could, I could see myself going up on him a little more. Yeah.
1: You know, the funny thing is I was pretty much over on him last year and I'm over four so far this year. I mean, it, you know, we're still in like the late second of the speaker's draft. So I've got a chance here, but I also didn't get stolen bases early, so I'm probably going right. to shut out on him here in this one too.
2: It's like you got to have the right mix, right, to get him. Yep. Where you've you've already grabbed, you know, a couple guys who can get you some steals. You've already grabbed a couple pitchers, and you're in round five, and you're like, okay, I'd like a really, just a really good all-around hitter. Yeah, okay, that's my guy. Like you have to have the right fit for him.
1: Yeah. Speaking of guys who don't run, and this is kind of a surprise, but I mean, I know I not that it, it, from previous years, but just generally. He's never been a big runner as Carlos Correa. You know, you think shortstop Mm -hmm. should run, right? You know, you see him in the field. He's plenty mobile. You know, it's not like he's a slug out there not getting the balls. At least I don't think he is. I have to double check on the range factors and things like that. Had a down year in 2020. Was amazing in 2019. But when healthy was the big issue there. Mm -hmm. Coming off a pretty good year this past year. 279, 26 homers, 92 RBI, 104 runs. But he didn't even attempt a stolen base. You're not getting anything from in the speed department from Carlos Correa. I know he was linked up possibly with the Tigers a little bit before the lockout. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet either. How do you feel about Carlos Correa?
2: Yeah, so I've never been a Carlos Correa guy in fantasy, and I don't see me starting right now. Okay, and and it's because the steals, like it's just hard to draft a middle infielder. That an early round middle infielder who gets you no steals. I could draft a late round middle infielder who gets me no steals. Like if I'm already comfortable in that category and I like the guy as a player, but an early round middle infielder who gets me no steals. And like you said, like none, like none last year, none the year before one, the mm-hmm. year before that, like he's, and like you said, he hasn't even attempted a stolen base since 2019. So, I mean, he'd have to be a really special hitter for me to want to use an early round pick on him. And he's not like he's good. He's still Mm -hmm. if you if if we said back in 2015, when he debuted that in 2020, as we rolled into 2022 drafts, he still wouldn't have a 30 homer season. And he wouldn't steal bases. And he doesn't have any season. Oh, he has one season where he hit 300. Sorry. He has one season where he even hit 280. He has a weird amount of 279s, right. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> three it's not crit Chris like but
1: it's close. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So he's, you know, he's a 277 hitter. He'll help your batting average. He won't, he's not a game changer in that category. Like, 25 homers. Well, I can find lots of middle infielders, lots of shortstops who can get me 25 homers and no steals. So, like, he's fine. I, I'm not into him. I've never been into him. I don't remember the last time I ever had him on my team, and the answer might be never. I, I
1: I'm similar. I think I've maybe had him once or twice, and I play in a lot of leagues too. Chris. Yeah. Uh, I said Chris. Why am I calling you Chris? Sorry, Fred. <laughs> um, I may maybe I was looking at, at the screen. I saw the name Chris somewhere or something. Uh, interesting. He's kind of at like a teardrop. At shortstops, uh, we talked about Corey Seager a little bit uh, last week. He's at 78 in the NFBC ADP. Jorge Polanco's at 82. Bobby Witt Jr. is at 92. Correa's at 98. Then you have to drop all the way to 120 for Jake Cronenworth and Dansby Swanson in the next two shortstops. So there's basically two rounds there where you know he's the last shortstop going. It's interesting. It, it, a, it illustrates how deep shortstop is when he's mm-hmm. number 15 in, among shortstop eligible guys. And also that you know, around you know pick a hundred overall too, uh, but it's funny like I'll wait and take Dansby Swanson. I know, I know I'm flogging the horse that as I tweeted about Swanson earlier here, but for the price, I'll take Swanson every day over
2: uh, Carlos Correa. Yep, I, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I, I think I might
1: even do it straight up. And I, I understand batting average is a little riskier there, uh, and I know he had he slumped early in the season, uh, but man, the Braves lineup is going to be stacked. Swanson's not going anywhere. Uh, he hits for power. He, you know, he gives you some speed. Maybe he hurts you comparatively in the counting stats. Stats. He, you know, during the during the World Series, he was batting eighth for a while because they had a DH. But, you know, I, I, A, I don't see that continuing. B, you know, he despite that betting order, he still produced what he did in terms of ca- counting stats. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I don't mean to turn Carlos Correa into a Deansby Swanson rant, but here I am.
2: Yeah, I think they're I think they're comparable in the sense that the power numbers should probably be about the same. So you're basically trading with Swanson, you're going to get eight to ten steals that you're not going to get with Korea. With Korea, you're probably going to get an extra thirty batting mm-hmm. average points or something like that. So you're kind of right. trading those eight to ten steals for the thirty batting average points. And as far as the counting stats, the runs and RBIs, who knows? Let's see where Korea signs and where it looks like he's going to slide into the lineup. But um, they could they'll probably be pretty similar in that regard. So, and again, I I don't want to have to chase steals the whole time. So I probably would rather take Swanson and grab my eight to 10 steals from him and just keep puttering along again, unless I, I really had a lot at that point in the draft. I think I'd rather just keep chipping away, adding eight to 10 here and there with a few guys to give myself a little more freedom to take who I want in them in the middle or in late rounds. Yeah,
1: I think so too. Uh, It's just Swanson. I'm going to go back to Swanson one more time. And it's, you know, his ADP went down. He was going around 100 last year. Now he's like 117, 120, something in that range. I just, what did you expect? You know, other than what he gave you. I mean, maybe batting average is slightly better, but wow. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm all over Dansby Swanson. I guess I just want to make that known again there. But yeah. Uh, I know. Sorry to hijack, but that's how I. That's how I roll.
2: <laughs> no, uh, I, I mentioned before we leave him because I knew you wanted to discuss him, and I said I had, yeah. I did have a thought on why he hasn't gone up um i think a couple things and i said to you that my answer wouldn't just be that we're all idiots but that would be part of it um we do love the shiny new toys and now i think the consensus is like now we just saw what his best is and people get bored with those things so quickly even though like you say his best was really good last year but people don't want to just lock in the good they want great so then they're like okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna try this other guy because he might be able to do it all and be better than Dansby Swanson. They don't just take the reliability of Swanson, but I think the, but I think the other part is that middle infield is just really deep. It I is. think that's why he's having trouble jumping up. Is there's just so many middle good middle infield options, um, and it is a place where people are trying to get speed. That I think it's just it's just a really deep spot, and it's hard for him to climb that middle infield ladder, even when he just had a good season. Yeah.
1: I also think that that might be the end of where I'm comfortable with the shortstops. I think maybe Willie Adamas. Uh, But after that, it kind of drops off. Like, I don't know how you feel about Glaber Torres. Um, I'm not super comfortable taking him even at, even at price. Uh, Luis Urias had a great year last year, qualifies at three different positions, not super comfortable with him Uh, in part because I don't think he has one set position. Maybe he is their third baseman all season long this year, but I don't know. Uh I, You know, and it, and it gets grimmer from there. And then you're, and then you have to jump all the way to like after 200, then I'll dive back in and like Brandon Crawford or something. But uh, you know, there, there's that spot there where there's a good like 70 pick gap, where I'm comfortable at shortstop.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. So shortstop is good. Like it's stacked. It's loaded mm-hmm. at the top and it, it's deep enough, but I do want to get my shortstop again. I, I also, because a lot of them steal bases, like I do want to get my shortstop. I agree with you. Arias, like, third base is such a wasteland that if I get him, I don't mind him, but third base is such a wasteland. I probably need him there if I'm taking him at that point. So um, yeah, I, I would like to have my shortstop by Swanson or so. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind taking Swanson if I don't have one at that point. Uh, right. I don't want it. I don't want Brandon Crawford to be my starting shortstop if I can avoid it.
1: Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, I, I like him being my middle.
2: Yeah. Not that's my fine. shortstop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way I'd approach it there. Yeah. Uh, we got some more hitters to attack, and I think we're going to have to push the pitchers back to next week, just the way uh, this is going. And that's a good thing because we have a lot to talk about. But a uh, quick note first, though, from our friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription: One, visit rotowire.com/thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. It's just that easy. Big thanks to Thrive.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: And also, big thanks to the Blue Wire Network for their sponsorship and hosting us on their their podcast system. Uh, we are talking about free agent hitters still and how we rank them. A prominent free agent that hasn't signed, and there's a possibility he might not sign, is Nelson Cruz. Fred, uh, he's one of the very few DH-only guys. If you use 20 games as your qualification to qualify, you know for. DHS, there's there's like six of them, and only four of them we're gonna you know be drafting on maybe five. Uh, Cruz and uh, Framil Reyes are the big ones, obviously, uh, and you know a lot of them, other a lot of the others like Stanton, Alvarez, JD Martinez, they're all qualified outfield this year. So there's an extra penalty I feel like for DH only guys to begin with, especially ones that are 41 years old.
2: Yeah, so have you drafted Nelson Cruz anywhere so far?
1: This is I I hate to say this as I'm letting my man down, but no, I have not. Yeah. Um I got I although I have to double check one thing there, but I don't believe I have. So Uh, I feel
2: like I feel like I can hear so many smart fantasy people always remind us that Nelson Cruz seems to like always outperform his ADP the last time. I'm that guy usually. Yes, right. I, 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 I can hear Rob Silver's voice in my head. He he has said that more than once too, about how you know, we always let him slide even when he was yellow, a little bit younger. We always let him slide to like round six or seven because he's UT eligible and then he always outperforms his ADP, which he even did do, I believe, last year. Um, there is the chance he retires, although I don't think he will. I don't know, but what do you think?
1: Um, The longer this get- lockout goes, the more likely something like that happens. I think that's one of the reasons why he see- saw Posey and Seeger retire um, is that they were kind of on that right. to, to, be, to begin with, uh, but you know, possibly. Um, I don't I have just any. Feel like the NL, yet, if the NL
2: way. doesn't add the DH, he could retire. But it, I, I'm assuming they will. Yeah,
1: um, I, yeah, I think yeah, that might be right. But uh, thing is, I mean. Almost every team could use what he did. and The other thing that's kind of scary is what he did with the Rays. Now, it might just be, and I know yes. Todd and Clay were talking about this. He was just really bad with the Rays. 226. Although he did have 13 homers in 55 games, Fred. That's that's good. We like that. But he just didn't hit nearly as well. He was only on base at 283 clips. So struck out 63 times in 237 plate appearances. So it's a very accelerated K, uh, K percentage there. Uh but they were talking that that's kind of a bad place to hit. And maybe in particular for him, it just didn't work out well.
2: Yep, I I think that's possible. And it was, again, like it's a like a late season shift to a team. And, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he just never really got comfortable there. They're a bit of a unique organization. Um, that really makes, to me, his batting average, the time with the Rays, he hit 226. That makes his batting average last year 265. That stands out to me. Um, I want to project it to be better than it was last season. That being said, it's hard to project someone who's over forty. <laughs> so to have an uptick in batting average. Like you right. just assume once it starts to go, it you know, like it's not coming back. But um, he, he doesn't run well anymore. So he's not gonna be as much of a run scorer. Right. We know whatever team he's on, they're going to pinch run for him once in a while. That's going to cost him a few runs. Um, he's not like last year, he scored seventy nine. Um, so he's not like a big run, like like back in his heyday, even just a few years ago, he's scoring 90. So he's not really there anymore. Last year, he drove in eighty six, which is like fine. But it's not the, like he was consistently getting us around a hundred. Right for several years. And so, so again, are we going to project someone who's 41 and will turn 42 in the middle of the season? Are we going to project that guy to be better than last year? Does that make sense? Right. And he hit 32 homers, even with the 13 in, in Tampa, like you said, that was a good rate. He hit 32. So again, are we going to project more than 32? Are we going to, you would think at his age, we'll project like a little more, even of a downturn to 30. Right, or something like that. So it's just like, do you want to use that pick on a 41 year old UT only guy, no speed. I know he got three steals last year, but no speed and 30 homers, 85 RBI, 75 runs, 265 average.
1: Yeah. You're, it's, you're making a good anti case here. It's I fine.
2: It's fine. It, it, if he does that, like it won't be a bad pick. It's fine. It's right. just not, it's not that exciting.
1: It is. It's. Uh, I, I just
2: unless you believe he can go back to being thirty seven homer ninety five RBI eighty something runs scored two ninety Nelson Cruz. If if he does that, he's a steal right now. Yeah, for sure, he is. But, I just can't get that his age. I just can't. Pro, I can't get myself to project that. Yeah.
1: Well, the the good news is that he's all, he's becoming cheaper than ever. Uh, you know yes. that that you know. We always say that you, you've never lost, but he, and the thing, good news is you're getting even more of a discount than you have in the past, which is pretty nice. So there is that that's pretty handy. Uh, so I, I i don't know. I i think I'm going to need and Todd Zola brought this point up too uh, in the time, like my tweet about the DHS is, is there are more lots of multi-position guys. The, the problem is you have to if you're getting a DH only if you're getting Fran Mill, you're getting Nelson Cruz you better make sure you have a bunch of those guys, especially in a draft and hold league where you can't readily pick a guy up to fill a position that you need, you know, and granted, you know, you, in some, some formats, okay, just slot him in outfield. I guess if you don't, if your league is very generous on uh, D8 position, eligibility rules, but otherwise like, yeah, it's just, it's hard just to snap a guy up. And, and if you're in a draft and hold league, yeah, it's it's really a disadvantage. I, I I had that. I I felt like that was something that was holding me back last year a little bit. That I couldn't move guys around. I always had to have him in the DH slot. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and and it's going to impact again how you build your teams, like category wise. Like like yeah. now he's got to be. In your, you can't squeeze another middle infielder into that utility spot. Some weeks mm-hmm. it's a little speedier or something like that. So. Right. It's going to impact that. I had the I had a Nelson Cruz decision really for the first time in one of my drafts just this week. It was him and Eddie Rosario at the top of my queue, and I don't even know what the pick was. I'm going to say it was not <laughs> pick 200, but approaching pick 200, around pick 200. Right. And I t- and I took Rosario. So
1: it's funny because he's like the next guy we're going to talk about. Rosario is, and uh, you know, it's funny if you listen to James and Michael S- uh, Simeone and uh, their do not draft list or guys that are not guys that won't be drafted? Uh, Rosario's name came up, uh, which I thought was kind of funny Is you know, playoff hero. Yep. I get that, but you know, had a pretty rough time in Minnesota before the trade. Wasn't that great in Atlanta, even, but then caught fire in the playoffs. Uh, there, he used to be this steady Eddie. I mean, he really was. Yep. You know, it wasn't just a nickname, you know, it wasn't <laughs> just the rhyme. It was that he was pretty steady. He was kind of a boring player, but did something across the board. I still kind of like him, but obviously he hasn't signed yet. You know, he wasn't valued that highly at the trade deadline. You know, basically, you know, the Twins just gave him away just to get rid of. The, I mean, the excuse me, Cleveland just gave him away. I want to say the Twins, because but he was on Cleveland last year, uh, and you know, they, that was the whole Pablo Sandoval. You know, we're going to take Pablo Sandoval just to get rid of his contract trade. Uh, I mean, that's about as low as that's about as much of an insult as you as you can get in terms of perception mm-hmm. about a player. <laughs> Uh, where are you on Eddie Rosario? Obviously, you took him at least once.
2: Yeah, I have one concern about him, and that's he hasn't hit. Le- he's a lefty hitter who hasn't hit lefties well in the shortened season and last season. So I do worry mm-hmm. a little bit about playing time. His career numbers against lefties are okay, like good enough to keep him in the lineup. So, right. Um, I'm kind. I, I'm a little. I'm a little optimistic on him, if if that makes sense. So he was actually with the Braves right from the get go. So his regular season OPS with the Braves was 903. Oh as, wow. Awesome, I know. Yeah, so I, I guess I think, I'm
1: sorry I got that wrong. I actually, no, I
2: think we we didn't notice because um, he was hurt for a while when he first right. got there. So yeah, then, only
1: 33 games with the Braves in the Raiders right. Season. So he didn't
2: yep. he didn't jump right out at us at the beginning with the Braves, and I think by the time he started to do this, he had already been dropped in some leagues, and so a lot of leagues have been kind of decided. And mm-hmm. so he was good with the Braves. Um, I think, and like you said, he was great in the playoffs. I think he just I don't know for some reason he was awful with Cleveland. If you look at the year before that in the shortened season he hit 13 homers. Well, like extrapolate that out, right? And we've got the pretty much the same guy who hit 32 and drove in 109 the year before with the Twins. Like like in the shortened season his power was all still there. The batting average dropped a bit, but the power was all still there. Right. I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable projecting him to maybe not be what what he was in that happy fun ball season in 2019, but go back to being like a 25 Homer guy. We'll see what the lineup's like. He is someone though, who will be, Oh, and he also can just kind of sneakily chip in eight steals, something like that. Like we were talking about with Freddie Freeman, right? Like he's got a nine in his past. He's got an eight in his past. He got 11 last season. So he can chip in a few steals if you just want to keep chipping away at that category. And he's a 275 hitter. I'm interested. I, 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 his landing spot will be important to me, though, and moreover, the comments from the team who signs him about what their plan is for him. Right. That's right. I, um, could, regret, I could regret this pick of him over Nelson Cruz if he signs with a team and and it's a team that platoons a ton, or who says right from the beginning that you will not run or something
1: him. like yeah, yeah, or something that they don't let him let him run. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can see it. I mean, the th- the thing is, 2019, 137 games, only three stolen bases. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not great. Uh, but you know, he did run again after, like as you alluded, yeah, he ran with Cleveland and he ran a little bit, only a little bit with Atlanta, but that was also because he only played a little bit with
2: it. Yeah. So hard to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only that's the thing about him is he only played. 111 games last year so you know his numbers were down of course but even if you prorate his homers over if he had played his regular kind of 140 or something last year he still would have been up near 20 homers it's not Mm -hmm. great but it's but it's not it's not terrible
1: he's it's his age 30 season he shouldn't melt away no he's exactly though the type of player that's hurt in the 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 current labor uh, market you know right teams would rather go get a young player at minimum salary at 90% of his production. He's not a star, mm-hmm. but he's going to cost, you know, 10 times more than, you know, he'll be at least $5 million, right. Is what you would think in terms of what, what you know, what do he get on a per season basis? There's one year and 8 million last year compared to a league minimum salary. I mean, I, I can see why teams would devalue someone like him under this current, you know, environment, but it's unfair to these players. He's only
2: 30. It's not like, I he's, know, I know, and he's he like a down solid, for glue. Yeah, and he's a solid player. Like career seven eighty two ops. Like he, you're right. He's like he's not a star, but he's a solid guy to have hit fifth or 6th or something in a on a good team lineup. Mm-hmm. He he deserves better than this. This is the guy they're fighting for now. Now we're rallying behind him. This is the guy the players are fighting for. Is the Eddie Rosario's of the world. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I I do think that when they come out of this agreement, and he gets his contract. It will be underwhelming. That's my guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, right, we will
2: not. We will not look at unless the Rockies sign him. We will not look at the contract like they did with the Ian Desmond. Like I don't think uh, whoever signs Rosario, we will not look at the contract and say, "Wow, he got that much." I think we'll say, "Oh, that's it. That's all he got." Eh? Yeah, but,
1: I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, Ian Desmond was like everybody first guessed that one properly. Uh, that like, yeah. what are the Rockies doing? That's what are they doing? Yeah. yeah, of course that that can be said about almost any transaction they do. Uh, unfortunately, yes. it seems like that. The weird thing is they have spent some money at times. They just do it like sporadically. They don't do it, you know, like consistently. They sometimes they spend big, kind of like the Angels of the National League. But uh, yes. I don't know. They spend big at times and then are penny wise other times, Pen, penny foolish. I yes. Guess. But uh, yep. so it goes. All right, let's sneak in a couple more bats before we sign off. We'll do we'll do free agent pitchers next week unless we decide not to. But I think <laughs> we will. Uh hopefully by then we'll have some something to talk about. Kyle Schwarber played for two teams last year, two new teams, first the Nats, then the Red Sox after being a long-time Cub. Uh made a big splash, uh had big injuries, qualifies at first and outfield this year. How are you on Kyle Schwarber?
2: I uh, I haven't I haven't shook how well how much of his production from last year was condensed into June. Mm-hmm. That miraculous June where he yeah, hit 16 crazy June yes that's right <sighs> right so and then but then I know he was banged up a lot for the most part he, he did that and then he just got hurt and was never really a factor the rest of the way right so right. Um, you know like he, he was good last year I think the one good thing I can say about Schwarber is it seems like he's played well enough against lefties of late that he's shaken that like he had a 788 OPS against them last year that might be good enough to keep him out of a platoon role, which Mm -hmm. like would be great. And in the 2019 season, so if we take it a little 2020 in the 2019, he was a seven 56 against lefties. So that's good. Like that's good enough. That gets him out of the platoon. That gives him the potential to do not, maybe not what he did with the Cubs when he hit 38 homers in 2019, but get the playing time that he got that year where he plays as as much as his body can handle. I, I, I'm I'm fine with Schwarber. I have zero shares so far. I'm not against him. I just don't have him for a high average. I don't have it right in front of me. What I have him for, but I'm gonna guess it's like two under, like two fifty ish. He's a career two thirty seven. I think I'm a little higher than that, but
1: I've got him at two forty four myself.
2: Yeah, I might I might be I might be a higher. little high. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm probably in the two forties too. Um, no speed, obviously, but I feel pretty good projecting that he could hit. 30 over 30 home runs. I think he hit 30 Dang. 35 or so. I'm at like 34. he has legit. Exactly.
1: Power. So, yeah, you're in the same neighborhood with him. So, yeah, it's funny how I, you say
2: that. I, he's another guy who I have priced. Uh, he never gets to the top of my queue, but he's always like when he goes, like I'm not like, oh, phew, Kyle Schwarber. that's a bad pick. He, he's like when he goes, he's like the 15th guy. If I had a yeah. queue that went that deep, be like he's the
1: type guy. of guy you end up getting when you prioritize speed saves. And, and starting pitchers early on you need to catch up in power he's the the mid to late he's the mid you know mid-round power guy that you can type of guy you can get there's a lot of guys like that schwarber Solaire, uh rizzo who we'll talk about in a second you know these are all the guys that are available they're waiting for you uh it's just they're not very exciting and you know you're not going to get speed so you only get them if you've gotten your speed early on
2: that's right. For for and in that situation, he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I actually do have him hitting two fifty. So it's a little higher than I thought. He's mm-hmm. um, maybe I need to downgrade that a bit, but but I still don't. I never. Or maybe
1: you need to draft him with your chest out and say, "Yes, I am a Kyle Schwarber guy, and I didn't realize it." No, I don't
2: know. Yeah, yeah don't do oh, <laughs> maybe. How about this? Kyle Schwarber, or Eddie Rosario. Schwarber goes first. Who would you rather? Or is this? Or are you it. just going to default? Have Rosario
1: ranked level? higher, but. I don't know. It's it's an interesting. So do I, barely,
2: but yeah. about the same. About I have them for spots, about the but... same. I have them for about the same combined homers plus steals, right? Because because Rosario, I have at eight steals, so I have them. Mm-hmm. You know, like basically the same homers plus steals. Yeah, that makes sense. I have Rosario with a little bit of better average. Schwarber with a little more runs plus RBIs. Yeah, because
1: Schwarber uh, gets on base via the walk a little bit more, and so you're going to get right. a few more runs scored. And That's right. we'll see where he lands. Kyle Schwarber yeah. could go to Colorado for all we know and just hit bombs. That would be like super nice.
2: So would he be more more park dependent maybe than any of the other hitters we've discussed so far just because so much of his value is tied up in home runs? He could be. Of he of like be. all the free agents we just talked about. Rosario might be the most team dependent as far as he needs a team that's going to play him every day. Schwarber, right. like we, we want to see him in a good park. Yeah, we more do. More than anything.
1: Though it's kind of funny, you know, the, the small samples. Like we saw Joey Gallo and Rizzo kind of just be meh. Gallo yeah. was really terrible with the Yankees, actually. We're like, oh, Gallo and Yankee Stadium, yeah. that, left, that right field porch? Give me that. We still might say that this year. Um, and you might be right. But uh, it's funny how it didn't really work at, according to form, which it's always weird how that happens.
2: Are you a never Joey Gallo this year? I, I pretty much am.
1: I'm not, uh, but I'm also not prioritizing him. I, just, I haven't gotten him yet. There's always somebody that likes him a little bit better than I do. Uh, someone who's punting batting average is like, yeah, I'm all in. Bring it on, you know, uh, because it's that's always going to be a drag. And he might he might sneak a bag in or two here or there, and that, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, I haven't ended up with him. Let's continue down the former Cub path. Chris Bryant had a pretty good year. Better in the first half than second half. I feel like, yeah, he's just not the star though that we all expect him to be. No. He's a good player. And it gets hold held against him. He is a very good player. He's just not a star.
2: Yeah, he's a good player and he's been a banged up player, right? Mm-hmm. Until last last year he kind of turned that around 144 games, but before that, you know, the 34 games in the shortened season. He had 147 before that, but 102 before that. Like he started off well, he's a great player at the very beginning. Um since then, yeah, he's just been underwhelming. He's he's fine. Um from a fantasy perspective, we thought he was going to be just this perennial, like first, second round type guy. Right. So the bag the bags dried up, but then they came back last year and he got ten. What do you yeah. what can you project for him for steals, do you think, next year? Like like he had zero the year before in thirty-four games. Like five or season. six.
1: Split the difference, five or six. Yeah.
2: Do you think this is just a guy who ran a bit last year because maybe the Giants wanted him to run, maybe he was a free agent and wanted to show he, I don't know. But. I
1: just think he was healthy last year for the first yeah. time in a while. I think before yeah. that he'd always had all these injuries and you know with the Cubs those last two years with the Cubs, he was banged up a ton. Uh and played through a lot for the good of the team and that sort of thing. Uh and then he just he just couldn't perform. But even last year his numbers were good. They weren't like They're fine. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's no yeah. specialness here like like, I have a hard time, unless he signs in a really good situation. Like, I have a hard time projecting 30 homers. He did get to 31 in the happy fun ball season. But so, even if I reduce that just on the baseball. Like, mm-hmm. I have a hard time projecting 30 homers. Like you said, you're thinking about five steals, just rounding it off. He's not a high average guy, but he doesn't hurt your average. Like, his his career average is 278, but it's heavily influenced by the first few seasons. So Yeah, the 292
1: like, in year two, 295 in year three. Yeah
2: so since then he's you know more of a 270 hitter
1: although that the 2020 season he hit 206 but that was also uh-huh. only 34 games only 34 he games obviously games, hurt yeah. that game hurt that year I yeah. uh, so yeah. start- i don't know I, he qualifies at three positions that helps um yeah it, you know if you're if you get if you miss out on that top tier third baseman i like him there i yeah. like you, going back to him but i also would like to see i'd like to see where he lands too um, he, uh,
2: it, that profile that we've just talked about—it's a little like Carlos Correa. How we said, like, eh, it's like twenty-five-ish home runs. You know, uh, Bryant does get you a few steals. Correa's probably a little better for batting average, and then we'll just see with the counting stats. The most bizarre thing about Brian is that after those first two seasons, is he's not an—he's R- never been an RBI guy since then, like at all. And I know the Cubs hit him really high in the lineup, and that—yeah, that,
1: that, I His think that's the biggest thing.
2: But man, he had the 99 in the first year, and everybody cried foul because of the contra the whole delaying his arrival, and it cost him 100 RBIs. And right. then the second year, he did the 100 RBIs. He got 102. And since then, again, if you had said after those two seasons, he would would not have 80 again, you know, before it before he turned 30, like that's like everyone would say, like that's crazy. He's gonna. Have I think that's 80. noise
1: though, because he had like just even last year, he batted second 78 times. Yeah, and if some of that's behind the Cubs' legion of awful leadoff hitters, <laughs> uh, which has been a problem for multiple years, by the way, you know, I, I think that that speaks to that. So a lot. you
2: think he could be an RBI guy again if he gets in the right fit? Yeah. This is what we're talking about with these free agents, right? This was the whole yeah. point of this discussion. If he gets the right fit, a for team sure. that hits him third, fourth, fifth, maybe he he could be. He's still, look he look at 2019.
1: He slugged five twenty one. Uh, in, in in 100 in yeah. 147 games and had 77 RBI. That's, that's not just, a Chris Bryan issue, that's a Cubs issue. That's
2: just bizarre. Yeah. It's it's just to me, I know they hit him high in the lineup a lot, but even guys, there's even the like guys who have a 903 OPS and play all season who hit second. They like even on a NL team, they should get more than 77 RBI. It's just bizarre. They should, they should. No, but he had I, like, know, but 31
1: homers and got that though. It's not, I mean,
2: yeah, it, it's
1: not because of him, it's just not.
2: Maybe this is something then we, maybe you've stumbled upon something here. Like maybe we should be projecting more RBIs for this current free agent because there's a good chance he will land on a team where he will get more opportunity to drive and runs than he's had.
1: I can see like old school baseball guys go be more like Joe Carter, hit more sack flies. No, just do what you're doing. You're a good player. Right. Leave, leave him at that. And it does limit his, you know, he's not a fantasy star, but maybe he has more fantasy upside than we realize because What of do that.
2: you have for his RBI? Production?
1: Oh, it's like 68 or so. I mean, it's not high. Oh, really? <laughs> after
2: all that, but <laughs> I've got I, him for 138 maybe. games too.
1: But, you know, again, I'll see where he signs. I'll see where he bats. They say, oh, he's going to bat fourth on this good team. Well, then I'll, change. I'll probably give him a 20 more right off the bat there. Maybe I'll give him 30 more. Uh, yeah. That, that's just the thing about him. You just can't tell.
2: What we started hitting on, I think, with these last few players is the guys who you really have to watch where they sign are these yeah. mid-level Schwarber, Rosario, Bryant. They're all in the same general area in the draft. Say, like right. in and around 100 to 200. The Freddie Freemans and Trevor stories are going to be fine. the The crummy players are going to be crummy. These guys, like that we were just talking about, they could be anything from the cleanup hitter or or something on a, on a pretty good team. To you know not on a great team they 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 didn't get as much interest as we thought or, or some team signed them but they're hitting them seventh. like these guys could could vary a lot
1: yeah they could they, yeah they absolutely could let's uh finish off with uh one listener question uh jeff whiteley or whitley i think it's whiteley uh because i think he's tweeted us before sent questions to us before asked uh had the fifth pick 14 team roto do i go cole or do i get a bat I answered in the chat that if I get Jose Ramirez there, I'm going that route. Um, now, there's obviously a lot of different ways. I mean, Tatis slips. Sure, I'm taking Tatis. And I've seen him slip. In fact, I think in the speaker's draft, that's what exactly what he did. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a little bit depends on that. But I don't mind going cold and starting my build there. You know, if there's an overall contest, especially. Now, you're a 14-team road. I'm guessing there's not an overall contest. You, you may not feel as compelled to push the uh, starting pitcher there. Who do you take? Do you take the pitcher? Do you t- or, or which bat do you take?
2: Yeah, so so I've actually had the fifth pick in drafts a lot, but they've been twelves, mm-hmm. um, and I've tried okay. them all. I've done a Cole, I've done a Bichette, and I've done a Soto when he fell to me. Um, so far, uh, I I kind of liked the Bichette one because I got my steals, and then I came back with a second round pitcher, and I felt pretty good about that um, in a fourteen team. I could still get, like, I think when I took Bichette, I got, I took Brandon Woodruff in the second round. If it was, that's still pretty good. If it's a 14 team, I may not quite get him. So just going by ADP, I may be more Zach Wheeler. So Bichette and Zach Wheeler or Cole and I don't know who goes around there. Devers is gone by then. I think Albies is gone by then. Uh, Machado. How about that? Cole and Machado or Bichette and Zach Wheeler.
1: I go Bichette Wheeler, but um, I, I have no problem with either.
2: Yeah, that, uh, those are both good I did. builds. Again, I, did I like, like Jose
1: that. Ramirez there too a lot.
2: Oh yeah, I, I haven't been in any drafts where he's made it that far. I think yeah. I don't know I if have. I've even been in anywhere he makes it to fourth. I like Ramirez because of the third base eligibility. Everybody knows. Sure Everybody yes. has.
1: I've taken Ramirez third and fifth so far. Two, two of my four like NFBC NFBC fifties. I started off with Ramirez, and I really like that build. Ramirez, and then I go arms usually. Um, I know. And
2: And I will say the time where I did the Soto, which is like, let's be honest, Soto's a way better hitter than Boba Shett, but uh like as a player. But when I did the Soto and then I came back with the pitcher, whether it was Woodruff or Scherzer, I can't remember, or whatever, uh, Wheeler, then again, here we are. I'm into round three. I have like 10 steals. And where am I going to go from there? So I did feel a little pressure that way. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of found the Bichette one the easiest to work with. I feel like there are some pitchers. You can also get into Grom probably around that pick in in the second round if, if you want to go there and take that risk. So, I did. I didn't mind that build. The Cole one works fine too. It's just, it's just you've got to decide again in the second round: Are you going to get like a good hitter like a Machado, or are you going to get like a like a Whit Merrifield or a Marte or something?
1: Yeah. Where are you going to get your bags? basically. Right. It's always the question. If you, if you get, if you go early pitcher, it's where are you going to get your bags? And I'm going to have, I, you know, I'm doing the speaker's league and we'll have a lot more to talk about that next week. Cause I'll have a lot more rounds under my belt. Then like, how am I going to get my bags? We're midway through the third round. My next pick will be coming up. And I started off. I, I you know, I, I think I told you this. So I, I definitely told you I went pitcher pitcher, but I may have mm-hmm. not said uh, yeah, what happened actual after that. Pitchers. So first of all, Corbin Burns fell to me at 12. I'm like, I, I have to do that. I passed on Acuna to do that. Okay, we'll see. I, I, it's a little nerve wracking because Acuna could be one point one this year very easily. Uh, but then I got uh, I I took uh, Wheeler uh, at three at two four. Took him over. I think I took him over Bueller. I may maybe he, maybe not. But I took That's him right. over some other arms that sometimes go there. You know, you can take him versus Scherzer. You can yep. versus you know you know I'll take him over to Grom too. I just. I'm going to have – I have to get another pitcher before I get to Grom. That's the way I'm kind of really kind of kind of taking things right now is I like to Grom. I've added him twice. Both times, I've gotten another pitcher first. I don't want him being my first pitcher just from the inning standpoint.
2: I'd be, I'm be. i okay. It depends. kind of depends what the investment is and what the league is and what the st- – in an overall, I could totally see getting to Grom in the second round mm-hmm. because you have a chance – I mean, if DeGrom makes all, of, if DeGrom made 30 starts next year, he's the favorite to be the number one player in fantasy, right? So Sure. So, you know, if, you're in, if you're in an overall and you want to just push your chips in, you know, you start with, you could in some of these, like, depending on the league size, you can start with one of these Soto or Bichette types and then get DeGrom mm-hmm. in the second round. You you have a legit chance at that point to maybe have the number one hitter and the number one pitcher by the end of the season. That's right. So, That's which right. could spur you in an overall. In a league, I I totally get the idea of, like, you don't want to put all this work in and just have DeGrom's body cause you to not have a chance.
1: To have zero innings from your second yeah. round pick, and then you got nothing. Suck. It's also yeah. what happened to me in 2020 with Justin Berlander, so I mean yeah, yeah. DeGrom you, you, will start a clear steadily
2: sta- rising yeah. with every spring training start he makes, yeah, I think. Clear
1: downside. Once he hits 100, yeah. everyone's going to be like I'm in, definitely. Yes. Yeah. he's yeah. the most likely guy to rise into the top five overall and change and change up our our order that we've got that's so convenient right now where there's a clear top seven and all that so at any rate um that's that's how i start that one big thanks to jeff for that uh, question thank you guys for listening uh fred thanks for joining me uh and sharing your long awaited thoughts on
2: adp uh
1: <laughs> the world can rest easily now so thanks for that
2: one night where i couldn't sleep because i couldn't wait to talk about it but i i'll sleep like a baby tonight outstanding
1: next week we'll do free agent pitchers maybe if there's any other hitters that are unsigned that you want us to touch on let us know we'll be happy to cover that next week big thanks to WinBet for their sponsorship we'll be back at you make sure you listen to james and clay tomorrow prospect podcast coming up next thanks for listening to rotowire
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you